When Lisa and I were, uh, were young in ministry, we'd just been out of Bible college maybe uh, a year or two before we had kids. We were on staff at a, at a little church, and when I say a little church, it was little, um, only about 50 people. And um, at that church, uh, we did children's ministry on Sunday mornings, we did youth ministry on Sunday nights, and then I preached every other midweek service. So it was, it was a great place for us to kind of get our feet wet doing some things. But as time went along, uh, the Lord began to, to, to move on our heart. There was just some things going on. And um, he sent us to another church. And when we went to this other church, it wasn't because they were offering me a, a staff position. This is just where the Lord said go. So we went there. And uh, having been so busy in ministry uh, for about a year and then just going and sitting. And it's not that sitting is not good at times. Sometimes we need to get filled up. But after about three months of being there, uh, I just told the Lord, I said, I need something to do. Come on, Lord, I need something to do. And it just so happened that was a, a, a Sunday morning when I was talking to the Lord about that. And the, the associate pastor got up and he said, Hey, we're looking for somebody that is willing to go rent one of those great big uh, carpet cleaners and bring it up to the church and clean the carpets in the sanctuary and in the halls of the church. And the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, there's something for you to do. That is not what I was talking about, Lord. But I did it. I went after, after work the next day. I went and rented one of those you know big machines that you get down at... Uh, uh, Brookshire's and took it out to the church and uh, the worship leader met me out there and he let me in. It was about six o'clock and he said, hey, I'll come back in about three and a half hours and see where you are with this. So I got in there and I, I just got to work and, in the, and it wasn't that I had a bad attitude or anything like that. It's just, you know, that's not really what I wanted to be doing uh, after work on a, on a Monday night. But the, the longer I was working, I just began to pray and I just began to worship. And it was amazing how those three and a half hours went by really, really fast because I, I, I intentionally spent time with the Lord doing this manual labor. And the, the, the worship uh, leader showed back up about 9.30 and he walked into the sanctuary where I was finishing up and he walked in and he went, wow, what in the world have you been doing in here? And I was like, cleaning carpets. See? And he goes, no, no, no. He said, the, the atmosphere is just so electric. He said, the presence of God is just in here. What have you been doing? So I've just been praying, just been worshiping, just, you know, enjoying my time with the Lord. And he went and he, he flopped himself up on, the, on the, the, the stage and he just laid down while I was kind of finishing up. And he didn't offer to help. He just laid himself down. Uh, that's the way those worship people are. I've done my part. I've played my guitar. Now I'm going. Um, Hey, so but I was glad to see that when he set up, his back and butt were wet from where I had cleaned the, the stage. But anyway, after a few minutes, he sat up, and he looked at me. And he said, "God just spoke to me." I said, really? He said, "Yeah, the Lord says this is where the anointing comes from. This is where real relationship comes from. This is where you get close to God." When you're doing things that nobody else wants to do, 
but you're doing it with all of your heart and you're doing it for him. So dipping back just a little bit into Colossians chapter 3 from last week, Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Now, we're finishing up a, a series this week called Love Letter. It's on the book of Colossians. And we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 this morning. If you want to follow along in, in your Bible or if you just want to see, there's going to be scriptures up here on the, on the screen because we have an awesome tech team as always. Yay, yay, yay. And the title of my lesson this morning is Do It Like It Matters. Do it like it matters, and I want to show you three things that we should do like it matters, because it does matter. And the first thing that we need to do like it matters is we need to pray like it matters. In Colossians 4, verse 2, it says, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. John Wesley, the man that started the Methodist movement that you know, eventually became the Methodist churches, he said, it seems as if God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. So we need to pray like it matters. And I'm going to give you here just real quick, because I hear people all the time saying, I just don't know how to pray. And there are different kinds of prayers, but the prayer that we pray most often is usually a prayer of petition or a prayer asking God to do something for us. So I'm going to give you five really, really quick steps within my first, my first point on how to pray a prayer of petition. And unfortunately, I forgot to ask the, the tech team to put this up here, so you're just going to have to listen. Step one, pray to the Father in Jesus' name. In John 16, Jesus said that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it for you. Now, why would he say that? Because what Jesus was trying to do was connect us to the Father. The Father is the place of provision. The Father is where we go for the provision that we need. Hebrews tells us that we can go boldly before the throne of grace to receive what we need. So we pray to the Father because he's our place of provision. And then we pray in Jesus' name because the name of Jesus is the family name. It's what we take to be able to have the right to go before the throne of God. A lot of times when I'm praying, I start my prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus. And I begin to pray. Because what I'm doing is I'm allowing the, the atmosphere, the enemy, and people around me to know I mean business. I'm going straight to the Father, and I'm taking the family name with me. All right, step two is pray in faith. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus told his disciples, he said, have faith in God. Now, that seems kind of simple and kind of silly almost. Have faith in God. But Jesus took it a whole lot deeper. He said that if you have faith in God, if you truly believe that what you're praying is going to happen, you could even say to this mountain, be picked up and be thrown into the sea, and it would happen. Now, most of us are never going to have to move a real mountain. But we've got mountains in our lives sometimes that we need to speak to in faith, that we need to begin to declare over in faith 
faith, whether, whether it's a mountain of anxiety, it's a mountain of fear, it's a mountain of, of illness, it's a, a, a mountain of debt, whatever it may be, we can begin to pray to God in faith and see God move. Step three, pray using Scripture. I know I'm moving fast, but pray using Scripture. Why? Once again, I hear people go, I just don't know God's will. This is God's will. You see this book right here? For those that can't see me and will be listening to this online, nctyler.org slash listen, this Bible right here, this is God's will. So when we can find scripture that gives us God's will, that allows us to pray in faith. If I don't know God's will, it's really tough to believe. It's really tough to pray and believe, but when I know God's will, I can pray in faith, right? If I need healing in my body and I know that Matthew chapter 8 says Jesus carried my sicknesses and bore my diseases, I can go to the Word, and I can pray the Word. I can go to Exodus chapter 15 and say, Lord, right here, you named yourself the God that heals me. You can go to Acts chapter 10 that says Jesus Christ, anointed of the Holy Spirit, went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy. Well, what does that tell us? Sickness is an oppression. God didn't put any sickness on you. God does not oppress. God is not a God of oppression. We can see where it came from and that God wants to heal us. But you don't know that if we don't know the word. So we need to pray the word. Step four, we need to pray fervently, not flippantly. There's people that will just throw a prayer up there. God, get me out of this trouble. God, do this. And what they're doing is they're just they're more like wishing, but praying fervently, praying with purpose, praying deeply and intentionally. James 5 tells us that there is tremendous power released through passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. So we pray passionately. We pray fervently. And we may have to pray more than once. Some people go, well, I prayed and God didn't answer me. Well, pray again. How long, how many times do I have to pray until I see the answer? See, Jesus told, told the parable about the, the little woman who needed justice in her life. And she's knocking on the door of the judge. And the judge didn't want to do anything for her. But she kept knocking until she got justice. And Jesus said, you knock. And you will find. Seek. Knocking, it will be open. Seek and you will find. Keep knocking. If you need to keep knocking, if you need to keep praying, you keep doing it. And you do it fervently. And you do it passionately. Here's number five. Pray with people that know steps one, two, three, and four. Because some people will try to pray you into the grave. I don't want those kind of people praying healing over me. Some people will pray just so out of faith and so, so in their soul. But we want to pray with people that pray in faith and pray the word and pray fervently. Amen? During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln 
uh, was having a, a prayer breakfast with a, a group of ministers. And sometime during, during their, their time, one of the ministers said, let's pray that God is on our side. And Lincoln said, no, let's pray that we're on God's side. See, somewhere, sometimes, we've got to be reminded that prayer is not a tool where we get God to do something for us, but it's an invitation to open ourselves up to be doing what God wants for us. We pray like it matters because prayer changes hearts, it changes attitudes, it changes situations, it changes us, but the one thing it does not do is change God because he does not change. All right. Number two, live like it matters. So we're praying like it matters, now we're going to live like it matters. In Colossians 5, verses 5 and 6, it says, Live wisely among those who are not believers, to make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Live wisely. And according to the scripture here, it's wise to be around unbelievers. It's wise to be around unbelievers. Now, I'm not saying participate in everything that an unbeliever would do, but if, if believers are never around unbelievers, how are they ever going to become believers? So it's wise to be around unbelievers. It's wise to use those opportunities to show the real Jesus. Because what some churches have projected what some quote-unquote Christians have projected is not the real love, mercy, and grace of Jesus Christ. It's mean, it's ugly, it's judgmental. But we get the opportunity to show the real Jesus. It's wise to have attractive conversations with unbelievers. A conversation that is going to attract them to Jesus. Now, if we're reading a, a more traditional translation such as the New American Standard, it says here in Colossians 4, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. Let your conversation be seasoned with salt. In other words, we're supposed to make people thirsty for Jesus. By the way we talk with them, by the way that we show Jesus, by the way that, that we're just being around them, we need to make them thirsty for Jesus. Now, just real quick, I want to take a, a, a side note here and show you something. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. When salt becomes tasteless, it's worthless. Now that word tasteless in the Greek, the Greek word there is marino. And it means to be foolish, to be worthless, to lose purpose. So when we're not being salty, we're being foolish. We're being worthless. We've lost our purpose. Romans chapter 1 says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And in verse 22 of that same chapter, it says, claiming to be wise, instead they became utter 
fools. That word fool is marino. It's the same thing. When we do not honor God, we're being unsalty. When we hide from believers, unbelievers, when we hide from unbelievers, when we don't show Jesus, when our conversations are not attractive or salty, when we've become marino, when we've become tasteless, we're worthless to the kingdom. I know that sounds hard, but that's the reason that we were left here. That's the reason that we were, we're, we're here on this earth is to be salty. And we've got to take those opportunities. As the scripture said, it said, look for those opportunities. Take those opportunities. Now, there's a couple here in the church. Um, Mike and Christy Brown. They're sitting right over here. If you don't know them, so I'm going to just point at them. Make them feel as uncomfortable as possible. But Mike is telling a story about how on the 4th of July... They were going to, to, to hang out with some friends, and they were actually running behind. They were late, getting started. And they, had to, they, they were supposed to take a, a dessert with them, and somehow the dessert that they made at home uh, couldn't go with them. I, I don't know what the deal is, but I know that there's, there's three teenage boys in that house, so any, any food is probably going to disappear anyway. So they're running behind. They don't have what they need to, to take with them, and they needed gas. So they had to go to Walmart, and they pull up, and Mike runs in to, to, to grab some dessert while Christy pulls around to get some gas. And as she's getting out, you ever notice that when we're on a time frame, when we have an agenda, when I'm going, God, I'm, I'm running behind, behind. That's when God says, hey, I want you to do something. Just slow down and listen to me. And in that moment, when she was jumping out to get some gas, there was somebody across the way that was also getting gas. And the Lord spoke to Christy and said, I want you to buy her gas. Now, in that moment, she could have chosen to be Marino. She could have chosen to be unsalty, unsalted, but she chose to be salty. She chose to listen to the Lord. Even though Mike's probably standing up at the front of the store with a bunch of cookies going, where's my wife? Where's my wife? If that had been Lisa, she'd already been calling me. But Christy stepped out, and she went over to the lady, and she said, Hey, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I don't want anything from you, but the, I believe the Lord has told me to, to, to buy your gas. And the end of the story is, although the, uh, this woman didn't look like she was down and out, she wasn't driving you know, a clunker of a car, she and her husband had been living out of their car for a while. They had become homeless. And because Christy was, was willing to be salty, she was able to sow seeds of God's love into a, an ugly situation. She was able to tell this lady, hey, God knows your situation. But here's the sad part. Not about that story, but 
Statistics say that the average Christian will die without ever having shared their faith in Jesus. Let's don't be average. Let's don't be Marino. Let's be salty. Let's live like it matters. Because people are out there and they need what we have. All right, number three. Work like it matters. Work like it matters. Our work here on this planet as Christians, our job is to disciple. Jesus told his followers, go make disciples. Our job is to disciple. Our job is to mentor. Our job is to equip. And our job is to send as a church and individually. Somebody needs what you have. You may think that you don't have enough to give to somebody, but somebody needs what you have. Somebody needs to hear your Jesus story. Because it's one thing trying to get somebody to come to a church and listen to a preacher who's going to yell at them for 30 minutes. It's another thing for you to go, let me tell you what God did in my life. I don't have it all together, but God did this. That's your story. And nobody can tell your story like you can. I probably butchered Christy's story. <laughs> Because I, I told them Wednesday when we, they were telling me, I said, man, if, I was te- if you just let me tell it, that was going to be a van full of kids, and it's just, it, it would have sounded so much more desperate. But just in those moments, be who God has called you to be. Be salty and work like it matters. Do the work that God put us here to do. And now I'm going to talk about something just as we finish up. And I know the moment that I start talking about it, some little... People, that's not crazy. I'm not saying you're crazy. Uh, Some people are going to start thinking, why does he bring this up so much? I'm going to tell you why I bring it up so much. Because a lot of churches are not bringing it up. The reason we talk about it so much is because a lot of churches aren't talking about it. And if we're going to be the body of Christ that God has called NCC to be, we need to bring these, these things up. And plus, it's in the Scripture, and I was just given chapter 4. I'm sorry. It's not like I went and found it. It was just right here waiting on me. So in verses 7 through 17, it mentions nine people that Paul has trained for ministry. They're different backgrounds. They're different nationalities. They're different economic standards. And they're even different gender. Tychicus was Asian. Aristarchus was Greek. Mark and Justice were Jewish. Onesimus was a former slave. Luke was a doctor. That sounds like quite a bunch, doesn't it? All thrown together. But see, the thing is, God's kingdom is diverse. And we need to work to keep it that way. And this last part... Paul says, tell Nympha and the church that meets in her house, hello. Nympha was a female. 
one of 16 times that females are mentioned by name by Paul in his letter as ministers. Look, I got daughters. (laughs) One of them's in here. My daughters are called to ministry. My daughters can probably preach and teach better than I can. But because of, of, of a few sticky scriptures, we try to throw everything out. But we need to think that if Paul 16 times mentions female ministers by name, he's the same guy that wrote some of these sticky verses, would he really be saying, hey, say hi to those ladies that are in ministry, just make sure they don't show up where I'm preaching? I don't think so. We need to look deeper. We need to understand that there's some cultural things that may have been going on. And here's the thing. Why do we sometimes struggle more with the idea of a female like Nepha being a pastor than we do with a murderer like Paul being an apostle? I don't want to see anybody, because we're all called to ministry. And if we're going to hang on, you know, one scripture like, women be silent in the church. Well, then there shouldn't have been anybody up here singing that was female. They shouldn't be back there in children's church leading your kids. So if they're anointed to do that, they're anointed to do whatever God has called them to do. Amen? God's kingdom is diverse. So let's work to keep it that way. All right. What do I want you to know? When we pray, God engages with us. When we live wisely, we make people thirsty for God. I want you to know that our work in the kingdom is to disciple, is to mentor, is to equip a diverse group of people. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel the assurance that your prayers are being heard. I want you to feel the satisfaction that comes with living wisely and not foolishly. And I want you to feel the challenge to mentor and to disciple. Because somebody needs you. What do I want you to do? I want you to pray prayers that God wants to answer. Pray them in faith and pray them fervently. I want you to ask the Lord to show you where you've been living foolishly instead of wisely. Where have we not been salty? Then I want you to accept the direction of the Lord to disciple somebody. Find you a one. Who's that one person? That one person. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. 
There is enough Jesus inside of you. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God rushed inside of you. And now all of those realities of heaven that we were talking about last week are available to you. I don't know what to say. Well, that's okay. Jesus told his disciples, don't worry about what you're going to say. In that moment, it will be given to you. Yeah, but what if I'm not smart enough? That's okay, too. Even though his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, the Spirit of God searches out the deep things of God and reveals them to us because we have the mind of Christ. Church, if we're going to be who we're supposed to be, if you're going to fulfill the calling and the destiny on your life, it's going to take some sacrifice. And I don't mean this in an ugly way, because I say it to me too. We got to be a little less selfish. A little less, it's all about me. And understand, it's more about people. People. 